you are listening to Life in Lockdown with me, Jasmine Allen. Episode 1, Laura. So it's the 23rd of April, um, just gone 7pm and actually 23rd of April that's exactly one month since the UK first went into lockdown and today I'm speaking to my friend Laura in Oxford. Hi Laura. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, pretty much. I'm quite tired. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm having a comparatively good lockdown. I've been pretty lucky. So have you been at home? You're in Oxford, right? I'm at home in Oxford. So yeah, um, I'm doing my job from my house in Oxford, in East Oxford, um, just off the Cowley Road, if you know Oxford. Um, and I have in my house with me just my partner, Gareth. Um, my beloved housemate has gone off to self-isolate with her partner in Birmingham, which was rude. But <laughs> yeah, apart from that, it's a pretty sweet setup. So you're actually enjoying being at home more? Uh, yeah, I quite, quite like being at home. It's... Uh, it's a nice house to be in. Um, I don't massively miss my London commute. Um, like I miss other things about London. I miss hanging out with people. But um, yeah, it's certainly nicer than my sort of open plan office in Farringdon. Um, no mad buses or anything to get there. Yeah, you're not having to commute. That must uh, make quite a difference to your day. Uh, definitely, although I've managed to fill up the time. Um, I work for an international NGO um, on issues around uh, sexual harassment, exploitation and abuse and safeguarding. And um, apparently that doesn't stop just because there's a lockdown on. So uh, I've been working pretty long hours. I've been volunteering quite a lot. Uh, so I haven't actually had any free time per se I bought a lot of craft materials at the start but they're all under the sofa um (laughs) yeah so it's nice being at home but like losing the commute just means a couple more working hours in the day yeah that's it's interesting isn't it because you just kind of touched on something that I've noticed as well about the kind of many phases of lockdown that first initial phase where uh you go out and you get your craft supplies and you find a jigsaw puzzle um, and then you, you find yourself three, four weeks later not having any time at all to do those things that you, you planned. Exactly. It was a curiously optimistic moment at a rubbish time. But I guess that's perhaps why we hoarded craft supplies, because it gives you a chance to feel optimistic and good about the slightly awful things going on. Yeah, the more distractions, the better, which is probably why you've you've filled your time. So tell, tell me a bit more about the volunteering that you've been doing. And, and um, I know you've been quite um, active in the kind of community groups in Oxford. Yeah, so I've been uh, volunteering or just working with a group called Oxford Mutual Aid. Um, we are a sort of surprise, surprise, explicitly left LGBTQ sort of based group that is connecting people in Oxford who need support with people who can offer support 
and we're providing quite a wide range of support at the moment sort of filling in gaps where people are falling through cracks so we're doing food supplies and prescription deliveries but also sort of slightly more complex work around tenants rights um support for people who are experiencing homelessness uh domestic abuse maternity support um sort of workers rights so it's quite uh it's quite fast moving it's quite fun but it's a lot of work (laughs) yeah that's that's intense um and i imagine you've been really quite busy um in the last few weeks with that you're still working but you're working from home has that kind of changed day to day at all um I think it's just sort of got more intense as I've sort of settled into the rhythm um I've had to be sort of more careful around boundaries with my work because otherwise you sit down and you're still sitting there 12 hours later and I don't think that is a healthy relationship to have to your work even if you are finding it interesting at the time And I think it is harder to have those boundaries and to have a sort of solid routine around work when you're not leaving the house so much. So what does your routine look like? I get up about six in the morning. I go for an hour or so's walk in the local bird sanctuary. Um, And then I come back, have a cup of coffee with Gareth. And uh, then I'll usually start work about quarter to eight um and might take an hour's break in the middle of the day go outside again answer a couple of oxford mutual aid queries um i'll usually try and stop work about six so i can do two three hours of mutual aid work after that and then i will have half an hour's reading and go to bed that's a full-on day so are you managing to find any time to socialise at all? Um, sometimes uh, there will be wine Zoom, which is great. But I found that falling off in the last few weeks just as I've not been able to show up. So I would like to get that back. I like my wine Zoom. Is that just meeting up with friends on Zoom and drinking wine? Exactly. Meeting up with friends on Zoom and drinking wine uh sometimes we try to try to do trivia we try to do trivia together and that worked quite well um back on god 2nd of april 3rd of april we did for gareth's birthday um birthday which was fun because all these events that normally we'd try and meet up in real life for or we wouldn't be able to go to we can kind of go along to but it is completely different in the zoom sphere Absolutely. It's less natural. There's less of a sort of flow of conversation because only one person can talk at once. And I generally feel if only one person can talk at once, it should be me. (laughs) Of course you do. You're home at the moment. You've been um, isolating with Gareth. The two of you have just been at home on your own Um, and your housemate has gone to with their boyfriend so um how's that been is that unusual for you two to spend so much time together it really is um I think even when you know we live together but when we're sort of living together pre-plague um we're both quite busy people 
Um, I work quite long hours. Gareth is a musician and is usually in the studio two, three nights a week. So often it's just we like drop back home, have meals together and then go off and do our stuff. And um, obviously we can't do that anymore. But fortunately, it turns out we still get on really well. I think because Gareth, as you know, is quite good natured and easygoing. So when I'm being less good natured and easygoing, he tends to be the person who sort of um, calms the waters. It's really good to have someone like that around, isn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's been quite nice having the extra time together and working out that even without the other stuff in our lives, we get on quite well because we've been together a long-ish time, like seven years. So it's, uh, yeah, nice to know that we still like each other. It's it's really nice to you, um, to hear your voice. And um, one of the reasons I've been trying to catch up with people like this is because I miss, like, one-on-one proper conversations. You're absolutely right, actually. I don't know if I'm having a lot of one-on-one conversations, apart from with Gareth. And honestly, he just agrees with everything I say. no he doesn't really but um yeah those sort of just relaxed casual one-on-one conversations if I'm having a one-on-one conversation now it's because something ghastly's happened at work or we've got a serious sort of um structural problem at Oxford Mutual Aid that needs to be ironed out but yeah you just you don't have those nice chats just because I miss chats the, the weather is like super beautiful at the moment. Having the sun is is such a pleasure. Like I, I keep thinking it would be so different if we were in the winter and it was raining or miserable weather. Um, Oxford must be looking beautiful on your walks. It looks stunning. Are there lots of people about? Not really. I mean, more. I, I tend to go out very early in the morning. Um... But um, not a huge number. Like, we often walk through the centre of Oxford at the weekend um, because there's a nice walk, and it seems pretty empty. Um, Quite a few cops about, I guess. Um, But also, like, Oxford as a city is much smaller with the temporary population gone because I think we've lost 20 or 30,000 students and we normally Gosh, that's this a lot. Year, have hundreds of thousands of tourists passing through every year. It must feel like you've never known it before. Exactly. The population feels really, really small. Huge amounts of Oxford are empty. I think one of the colleges is giving its rooms over to key workers. And one of the colleges has generally generously donated its kitchen and kitchen staff so that we can try and do Meals on Wheels. But generally, yeah, they're just empty. I can't imagine Oxford without the students and the tourists. Um, I imagine it's much like Cambridge, but I have to say I haven't been into Cambridge um, since the lockdown. And even Obviously, it's 20 minutes drive away. I've got no need to go there. Um, but I imagine it's very eerie there. And I've seen some photos of the kind of empty streets, just never seen that before, apart from, you know, Christmas Day. Yeah, I guess everywhere looks a bit like a film set. Mm, Grandchester film set. Exactly. <laughs> Are you missing Jane, your housemate? I do miss Jane. 
Um, she she's just yeah she she's good fun. She always has wine. Uh, very good chat, Jane. Uh, we're also good at just making things aesthetically pleasing. I'm just storing things in piles at the moment. Jane sort of tends to put things sort of in little boxes and vases and makes everything look beautiful. But I will have to learn to do that in her absence. So how are you keeping in touch? Um, mainly WhatsApp, a little bit of Instagram. Um, it's odd just spending so much time on WhatsApp. That's been a big one for me because, yeah. WhatsApp groups, talking to my sister in New York. That's a horrible place to be at the moment, but she's all right. Yes, we've all seen worrying footage and, and heard some really uh, worrying things said by leaders of America. And you have nieces and nephews, right? I have a nephew. I think he thinks I'm like a boring version of Peppa Pig, but he always like gives me a smile and shows me what he's doing. Um, he's got a really bad lockdown haircut. <laughs> I don't think he's the only one. Yeah, I've got scissors arriving this weekend, so uh, be ready. I have to say, I, I my mum cut her fringe and sent a picture. And um, I mean, I've told her it's not straight, but she says that's how she likes it. Um, <laughs> it did make me laugh. Well, I'm expecting to try to cut my fringe this weekend and clipper my hair on Monday. Good luck with that. Are you going to go full head shave? I, I hear this is very popular lockdown haircut. It's just shave the whole thing off. I am quite tempted. Um, I don't have clippers right now. I think you'd look great. I noticed one of my neighbours has just clippered her hair, so I bet I can ask them. Just make sure you disinfect mm. it first. Absolutely. A clean clipper protocol, please. Are you one of those people who sanitises everything that comes in the house? No, we sanitise a lot of what we're delivering through mutual aid, but I'm pretty lazy about that sort of thing. A lot of hand washing. So much hand washing. Your work, Laura, and your work with um, Oxford Mutual Aid is really important. You know, you're doing really great. How are you staying so positive? Um probably walks wine gareth and also just knowing that i am really lucky i've got you know i've i've got a lot of advantages in that i've got a nice place to sort of withdraw to um i've got my job and my home and i'm not those aren't at threat under threat right now um my family seems to be comparatively safe and healthy um and just, I'm very, very lucky. Um, so you almost have a responsibility to be cheerful. Although, obviously, I have strops. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're really right about that. Um, and I've noticed, you know, things that I would normally take for granted, I've, I've been appreciating. Well, one of the things that's been so fab, um, actually, is I don't normally take much notice of nature, even though I walk the dog every day before this whole lockdown before the pandemic I walk the dog every day um and I am now but because I'm at home and I'm watching the garden in spring 
you know, through the window every single day, it looks different. And it amazes me actually um, how those buds just appear overnight. And I've never, ever noticed with such kind of technical detail those things before in my life. Absolutely. It's so much more in- intense. And I can completely relate to that because I go to walk in the same place every day and every day it's different and just um, something else has come into blossom or the blossom's fallen off or the light's different or there's sort of particular sounds and smells and it's it, it it's really cool. Yeah, nature is carrying on regardless, which is... I have to say, incredibly reassuring to me. And we are both lucky to have gardens. Oh, my God, so lucky. Um, Yeah, I've got a lot of friends in apartments right now who, yeah, that sucks. And I think, yeah, again, it highlights these sort of privileges, like having an outside space is a privilege, not living in a built-up area under certain conditions is a privilege. And I think having these sort of inequalities and specific aspects of uh, inequality highlighted is, I think it means that we can't go back to normal and that's a good thing in some ways. What do you think is going to change because of the pandemic and lockdown? What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I'm trying to live with the uncertainty. The things I'd like to change is that people are, more uh, kinder to each other and more community-minded and obviously that uh, we get rid of capitalism and um, replace it with something better and start guillotining billionaires and politicians. You know my position on these things. Um, But what I do worry is that it's just going to um, enhance existing imbalances and that people who were already being screwed over by austerity are going to be screwed up over so much harder by this and um, people in positions of sort of extreme privilege and power are going to be made more secure in those positions so I think it's going to widen the gap but I also think it's going to it's important to be optimistic and it's important to work against that and in terms of the humanitarian work that you and your organisation do, um, do you think that will be changed as a, a result of this? Absolutely, in so many different ways. Um, I think um, a lot of humanitarian organisations are simply having to withdraw in some areas, which is disastrous. But um, we're also well-placed to sort of deliver aid quite fast and quite in quite innovative ways but all aid I think comes with baggage because um, the baggage is what the funders want um, whether those are sort of institutional funders like um, government governments basically or sort of individual funders like the people doing child sponsorship um, sponsoring an individual child um there's going to be less money from individual and small funders definitely and i suspect from larger institutional funders uh so we're going to have to find new ways of doing our work on less um 
again, I think people can be opportunistic about sort of uh, political power and aid. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, like um, a really crude example is that Trump has stopped funding the World Health Organization last week, I believe, which is a huge statement. Yeah. Obviously, the reason we're here is massive inequality in at-risk communities, and this is going to hit people extremely hard. Um, it's very hard to self-isolate if you um, are in a displaced persons camp, for instance. It's very hard to take hygiene measures there because sort of washing facilities aren't available. Um and I think long-term sort of food supply lines are going to be really disrupted. That is probably going to be a big famine. Um, and when people um, are at risk in one area, their other risks go up. So in my area of work, we recognise that the risk of sexual exploitation is going to go up massively because when people can't cover their needs their day-to-day -day needs for sort of food and shelter, that gives people an opportunity to sexually exploit them in exchange for those needs. Um, and that can be very brutal. So putting in protection measures is going to be massively important. Uh, making people aware of their rights, uh, trying to make sure that those needs are being covered in a way that people aren't being expected to give anything in return and making sure that we're doing a lot of work around rights and empowerment and just basically being decent. But that work is incredibly difficult to do remotely and a lot of it will have to be done remotely. But in some countries we're using radio a lot to communicate, so sort of radio documentaries, um, or working with the community organisations that are still on the ground, or um, mobile communications. So we can get messages out, but it's the sort of more complex group work that really does need to be done face-to-face -face that is proving a challenge. It's been really, really nice chatting. Um, it's been great thank you chatting. For chatting. Really nice to speak to you properly. Oh, no, thank you for chatting. And you're doing a great job. Life in Lockdown was presented, recorded and edited by Jasmine Allen in Ely. The intro and outro music is taken from the song entitled There Will Come a Day by Emma Cooper. <laughs>